Good morning, church. Hey, it's so good to, to be with you. Good to gather together um, in person, online. It makes such a difference. I, I don't know, um, when we were doing the Zoom calls, there was a time when um, I, we finished the Zoom call and somebody texted me after we were done, and, or they had texted me in the middle of it, but I didn't get the message until after they done it, hey, your microphone is unmuted. So we were all kind of singing along, and I was like belting out probably like a second behind every other word. Um, and it's cool to be everybody in the same room. We get to lift our voices as one, as opposed to trying to sync, uh, sync digitally. It's, it's exciting. It's refreshing um, in a time that's been a little bit crazy. Has it been a little bit crazy the last couple of months? Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit... Um, Maybe a little bit is understated. It's, there have been things that we have never, ever had to experience or face before. There are things that nobody ever told us to be prepared for in school that we've suddenly had to think about. Um, by and large, many of us have never had to think about infectious diseases or how, how, how germs are transmitted a, a ton. Like, we, we're aware, but not like, it doesn't, it isn't in the forefront of our mind all the time in the way that it is right now, right? And it can be so stressful to try to deal with new information and try to deal with new things, try to figure out what is the most loving thing to do for my neighbor. It's, what, is the, what is the way, like, like, what is the way for us to move forward together as, as, as things, like, I didn't, I don't want to have to think about these things. Um, I, I, it's, it's almost like a, as a kid, you just kind of think like, all right, well, if I just don't think about it, it'll go away. Let it go away. I'll close my eyes. It'll go away. And we keep opening our eyes and it's still here. It's stressful. And in the midst of, an, of a season like this where maybe we're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, maybe our, our capacity to think, our capacity to consider is at its limit why would we invest any time or energy at all into our faith? Why would we take time at all to think about spiritual matters when there are so many pressing practical issues that we need to think about and know how to address? Like, what, what is, like, like, okay, church is nice. I like church. Like, I can watch it on Sunday or I can come on Sunday. Like, it's fine. Like, I like it. I feel encouraged at the end of it. I feel like God is doing something. Um, but, like, it doesn't put food on my table, and it doesn't help me to necessarily breathe the oxygen that I need. Like, church is nice, but it may be not, not necessary, so when there are all these necessary things going on, like, why would we stop and, and invest any attention here? Our series right now is called Refocus, and my hope is that this morning as we look at this text, as we look at some of the examples of saints who've gone before us, that we can see the vital practicality of our faith, that everything that we do stems out of it and flows out of it. And not only that, but how do we, how do we grow that and develop that in a season where we're a little bit frazzled? We're kind of always at our wit's end. So if you'd like to take that journey with me this morning, um, I just invite you to pray with me. And we're going to pray together as has become our habit, uh, the Disciples' Prayer. Um, and it's up on the screen if you'd like to follow along, if you're not familiar with it. <clears throat> Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to be taking a look at the book of Luke this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to begin in verse 30. If you want to navigate there or tap there, um, you've got, if you're using the blue Bibles this morning, it's on page 1084. 1084 in those blue Bibles, if you're here this morning and you want to follow along, uh, I think it's going to be helpful to follow along. And uh, it opens up on um, Jesus, after having sent out the 70 70 disciples, he sends out all these people, they come back, they're so excited, they're rejoicing, like, look at what we did for you, God, and now now he's at a person's home. It seems like it's a smaller crowd, and he's taken some time um, to just kind of invest in some people that are close to him. So let's read in Luke chapter 10, I'm going to begin in verse 38. 38, sorry, I know I said 30, but I meant 38, you know what I mean. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. We're going to pause there for a couple of minutes. Um, Josh brought it up this morning, but it was already kind of in my notes. There's a Um, a podcast that is kind of a a guided prayer. Um, It's good to have kids around, isn't it? (laughs) There's a podcast uh, that Josh pointed me to uh, a number of months ago. It's called Martha's House, right? Martha's House. And uh, they post morning prayers and afternoon prayers and then if you miss and evening prayers. And if you missed all of those, then they post one at the end of the day for like all of them together if you're trying to cram everything in. And the idea is uh, just just a, a reminder, something to drop in automatically on your phone to just spend some time praying. And, and in between their scripture reading and in between the prayer, they, they quote these verses. And the idea is prayer for busy people. And this is, these are the verses that they use to remind us. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Is that true? Do we feel that in a way that maybe four months ago, six months ago, wasn't necessarily tr- true in the same way? Like, it was true. Like, yeah, I've got, I've got things that I'm concerned about. But now it just feels... Oh, that's, that's true. Like it, it's true with some heft behind it. It's capital T truth right there. That'll preach. You are worried and anxious about many things. It's, it's a really small picture of something that I think is, is super valuable 
to our faith. Jesus goes into this village. He's, he sent out his disciples, remember, with, with a very simple message. He sent out his disciples with a very simple message at the beginning of chapter 10. What was the message? Do you remember? Go and proclaim, the kingdom of God has come near to you. He's sending his guys out. He says, go and tell people. Go tell people the kingdom of God has come near to you. That's the message that he sends his people out. And, and it's almost like, okay, well, if the kingdom of God came near to me, like, I would feel that. I would know. I would notice. And yet we have here the kingdom of God is coming. The king of the kingdom of God has come near to Martha, and she is so concerned about what to put on the table for him that she forgets that maybe I should listen to the words that he's giving if the kingdom of God has come, we, maybe we think, if, if, if I lived in a different time, if I lived in a different era, um, if I lived in the time of the Great Awakening or some other season of revival, I would totally have been locked into that. God, would you pour your spirit out in a special way that moves? Like, I would totally pay attention if it was tangible in that way. And yet, Jesus himself has to send messengers out to remind people, the kingdom of God is near to you. The kingdom may be nearer to us than our distractions will allow us to pay mind to. Martha was distracted with much serving. She had genuine concerns. She had a job that she was doing. She was taking care of the king of the kingdom of God. She was setting the table for him. She was making sure his feet were clean. She was being hospitable. She was doing good things. But as she's doing good things, she's got her eyes... I don't know. If, if, maybe this is just me that has this sometimes. Sometimes you're doing something good, and all you can pay attention to is the people that have not joined you. You're like, I'm out here pouring my heart out, and, and I know they're sitting there on the couch. I know they're out of the game. Like, I'm doing what's right out here. I'm out here, or, or it can go the other way, too, especially in this season. Like, I'm doing the right things. I'm staying home. I'm self-quarantined. I wear my mask when I go into the grocery store. I'm washing my hands with hand sanitizer a thousand times a day, and I can't even talk. I'm so flustered. And these people are out there doing the things that aren't right. We can be doing, busy doing the right things and have our eyes kind of split on the right thing and the people that haven't joined us yet, and it can completely distract us from what it is that we are actually doing. You can, we can be so busy like wearing our mask to love our neighbor that we hate our neighbor who won't wear a mask. We can, we can be so concerned about our, our, our liberties to, to choose not to wear a mask or not that we begin to hate the people who have the same liberties to choose to wear a mask for our protection. We can get caught up in it, in doing what is good and missing what is necessary. Jesus' answer is so gentle. You can tell Martha's stressed out. Lord, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Just tell her to help me. Tell her, tell her to just get up for a minute and help me. Like, I need to carry this out here. Can you tell her to help me put the thing on the table? I just need just one little thing. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. 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 Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. 
Psalm 27 we read together this morning. One thing I ask of you, God, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and to gaze upon his beauty. Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. Not by you and your distractions. Not by the gates of hell. She's chosen what's necessary. To sit at my feet. To hear my word. And just as a side note, like this is not the point, but I just want you to see, like, Jesus is teaching. He's a rabbi. His disciples are all dudes, and we can get caught up on that, but this is a a disciple of Jesus who's a woman sitting at his feet. Like, she is at the front of the classroom. And that was not common for the day. Jesus cares about all of his followers, men and women alike. And he gave them the same access to him. So, here's the question. Are we distracted from what's necessary. I confessed to the team this morning that I did not feel equipped to preach this passage this morning. I am distracted from what is necessary. I also am overwhelmed in how to think about how to navigate all of the different cycles of what it is that we're facing, I have not allotted the amount of time for what is necessary. Are we distracted from what's necessary? Are we too busy with good things? Like, I can be like, well, I'm trying to figure out how to keep the church safe. I'm trying to figure out how do we, how do we love and serve our neighbors when we can't, like, go into their house or we can't sit down and have a meal with them. Like, those are good things to be worried and distracted by, but if I don't go to what is necessary, then I miss it. And maybe sometimes we're distracted from what is necessary by things, like, this isn't the point of the passage here, but I just feel like we need to call it out. Like, sometimes we're distracted by selfishness. Like, the things that we're distracted by aren't necessarily good things. They're not particularly helpful things. And sometimes they're sinful things. I just say, if it's sinful things, like, lay that aside immediately. Like, don't play the justification game with that. Repent. Turn away from sinful things and do what is necessary to sit at Jesus' feet. But good or bad, are we distracted from what's necessary? Our big idea this morning is our focus must be on connecting with Jesus first. Our focus must be on connecting with Jesus first. So that's the what. What do we do? Do you kind of wish you had a how? How do I do that? Connecting with Jesus. Like that, that sounds super churchy, Michael. I like it. But how, like... I'm living my life out here. How do, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. Uh, Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. We'll continue to read. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. 
For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. I'm going to pause there. When you're reading that, you likely are like, what, the, 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 there's stuff missing here. There are more words to that. Like, I know what, I know what Jesus is saying here, but there's more, supposed to be more words to that. Now, this is, this is what I think is great, because this, because we're so familiar with this passage and how it's, you know, how it's uh, quoted in Luke, or how it's quoted in Matthew, we read it together in Matthew. We prayed it together out of Matthew because Matthew has the fuller discourse. Um, but this gives us an insight into how Luke thinks about what he's doing. Remember, Luke is a doctor. He's trying to put everything in order, and he's trying to be, I think, as concise as possible. Like, he's trying to simplify and get down to the bare bones of what it is. Like, this is the bare bones of what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. Like, it's, it's all there, it's just not kind of fleshed out as much as we would like it to. And that's how Luke thinks about things. It's, it's very boiled down, get to the point, just the facts, man, let's move on. Um, which is fascinating because his chapters are stinking long. Like, he wrote so much. And so I, I would, like, if, if we have Luke and Acts together and that's as condensed as Luke could possibly make it, I don't even want to know what his notebooks looked like. Like, he had lots of details that, that did not make it in there. Um, but regardless. So we're familiar with this. But let's not let our familiarity with it get in the way of our intimacy with it. This, this, this is true of us. Uh, sometimes the things that we're most familiar with, we're, we're familiar with through intimacy, but then because we're familiar with it, we take it for granted and the intimacy kind of dies off. Um, it's true in a marriage relationship. It's true for you and your parents. Like, if you're, if you're a teenager and you're just kind of tired of your parents, like, it's because you're so familiar with it. I know if I do this, then they're going to do that, and then I'm going to do this, and they're going to do that, and it's just going to go, and like, why do we even need to do this? Let's just skip to the part where I'm in trouble, okay? Like, familiarity sometimes can lead to a lack of intimacy, but we also need that familiarity to facilitate intimacy. And the difference is whether or not we're purposeful in paying attention to the details of what we're doing. So, Father, hallowed be your name. The, the prayer is focused on, is in the setting of a, of a parent-child relationship. We get to call creator, God, infinite, master of the universe, dad. If we were the son of a king, like, we would get to watch people all day long go into the throne room and bow before and, and present their petitions that they had spent months wording to get proper, and they would give all of these niceties to placate the king's wrath, and then they would ask for the thing that they wanted, and they'd wait for the king to decide, and then they would, like, bow, thank you, my liege, and they would have to bow and go out. And if you were the son of the king, you'd walk up to the throne and say, Dad, I need ten bucks. Not that our going into our father is, is flippant, but there is an intimacy that God gives us by allowing us to pray as our father that I don't think we realize sometimes. And here's something that I thought about um, here recently as I was reflecting on the Lord's Prayer. As we've been, as we've been praying it together, uh, it's just been so refreshing to me to do that weekly as, as a body. And something that came to my mind is that my father is concerned about my reputation in a way that I am not. Like, my dad cares about what happens to me in a, in, a, in a way because it reflects on him in a way that I'm not even conscious of most of the time. And so 
he might want better for me than I could even want for myself because I'm just trying to do this and this and this and this. But he sees the legacy component of what it is that we do. So when we pray our Father, like we're not only coming to him in an intimate way, but we're trusting that he is not only concerned with meeting our immediate needs, but he's concerned with what the legacy is of what he grants to us. He's concerned about us in a way that we're not. I'm going to try to speed up because I, I feel like these verses could captivate our attention and there's some other good things that we need to get to. Notice too, as Jesus teaches us to pray, there is no me in the prayer. There's no I in team or in the disciples' prayer. Give us. Forgive us. We also forgive. Us, 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 us. And I think we need to hear that. I think that should ring in our hearts in a way that, that hurts our American spirit. Because my American spirit says, me, I, me, 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 me. And sometimes when we go to God, we can go to God and be like, God, Father, me, 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 me. Thanks. And that's not how Jesus taught us to pray. Calm down. Realize that you are not the only person in the world. Don't just pray for yourself. You're on a team. Pray for the we. Lift us up, not just the me. <clears throat> and our prayer is defined by forgiveness. Like, this, this is the hinge point. <laughs> forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Like, Hold on, hold on. There's, there's some people who owe me something. Like, I have not forgotten that I loaned Ryan uh, a whole stack of CDs and that they disappeared. Like, that, that I have not forgotten. Like, I need to forgive him for that. They are never coming back to me. And I need to make peace with that. And when I pray the Lord's Prayer, I forgive, forgive me my sins the same way that I forgive other people. I don't know about you, but if I'm choosing how to talk to God, like the thing that I don't want to ask God to do is to be as good to me as I am to other people. That is, I want God to have a better standard for care to me than I have for the people that I relate with, right? And yet this is the model that Jesus gave us to pray. And if you're going to go to creator of the universe and say, forgive me the way that I forgive other people, it's going to affect how you talk to the person who's screaming at you, Right? And lead us not into temptation. Like, I go, there are things that I wrestle with. But I'll, let me just say this real quick because I do need to move on. <clears throat> the opportunity to succeed, the opportunity to grow, the opportunity to overcome a temptation is simultaneously an opportunity to fail. Like, the temptation and being tempted in and of itself is not a bad thing. But we also acknowledge that by being tempted, we have the opportunity to overcome them and stand in the power of the blood of Jesus, to walk in his grace and mercy, and to, to overcome the temptation. But we also have the opportunity to fail miserably and to bring shame to our name in the name of Jesus. Opportunity to succeed is opportunity to fail. God, just lead me not into temptation. Temptation. 
And going through this and, and seeing how oftentimes my prayers do not reflect this, it leads me to the question, what are the biggest influences on our prayers? What are the things that influence our prayers most? What, like, if, if this is how Jesus wants us to pray, and this is how I'm praying, and the two are ten miles apart, what are the biggest things that are influencing the way that I talk to? Is it my needs? Like, my needs are the things that I come to God the most with. Like, my needs influence my prayers. I don't really come to talk to God unless I really need something. <clears throat> and maybe if I'm honest, it's not necessarily things I need. It's just kind of stuff I want. And when it comes down to it, Jesus is just kind of Santa Claus for me, and he helps to get me out of pinches, and he's kind of like a good luck bobblehead on my dashboard that keeps me from getting speeding tickets. And that's what prayer turns into when our needs are the biggest influence on our prayers. It might also be our traditions, which may or may not be good or bad, but sometimes inhibit us. That familiarity can inhibit us from growing in intimacy. Let me suggest this. We should probably be most influenced by Jesus' prescription for prayer. <clears throat> we often call this the Lord's Prayer. And I'll, I'll put it up here again. When I, when I put up here, I call this the Disciples' Prayer. Because this is, this is the one that he left for us. It's his, yeah, but he left it for us. This is the Disciples' Prayer. And that should be, that prescription, the things he told us how to pray, that should probably be the defining biggest influence on how we talk to God. We also have Jesus' model of prayer. As you look through scriptures, he is praying all the time. Oftentimes early in the morning. And I want to do some hermeneutics to backflip out of that one. Like, I don't want to follow Jesus' model on that. I like sleep. Oh, come on, I didn't get an amen on that. Amen. <laughs> amen, all right, there we go. I like sleep. I don't want to follow Jesus' model on that. But hey, maybe, maybe, maybe he knows something about talking to God. And maybe there's something that happens in the early morning that I haven't woken up yet to. And then the scripture is just full of excellent models of prayer, Psalms, Proverbs. Um, oftentimes, many of the saints' prayers are recorded there. So those should be our biggest influence on our prayers. Our focus must be on connecting with Jesus first. And at this point in the sermon, you're going, all right, Michael, I'll pray harder. I'll connect with Jesus. I'll, 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 I'll do it. Like, I can do it. I'm going to buckle up my bootstraps, and I'm going to make sure that this happens. Like, I'm, I'm inspired. I'm convicted. Like, let's go. Ready for Monday morning. <clears throat> Continue reading with me. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 5. And he said to them, which of you has a friend, or which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not give up and give him anything because he is his friend... Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given you, given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for fish, will instead, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you, if you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So what Jesus does here, he gives, he gives his prescription for how to pray. He gives the, the Lord's Prayer, and then he gives a parable. He, he teaches a lesson, and then he closes with like some, some um, concluding points that I think, I think put this um, big idea into better focus. Our, our, our focus must be on connecting with Jesus first. First he says, look, all right, so imagine, imagine that you've got somebody who comes over like super late at night. They get into town at like 1 a.m. and you realize, I don't got anything in the pantry. So you go over to your next door neighbor and you knock on the door like, hey, I don't have any food. Can you give me some food? Because I had somebody come over and I need to put something in front of them. Like they've been on a long journey. I need to take care of them. Like, no, I like sleep. And at this time, it actually wasn't uncommon for the whole family to sleep on the same mat together in the same room. Like, like the, it was not uncommon for, for, for kids and, and the husband and wife to all be in essentially the same bed, or at the very least, the same bedroom. So if I got to get up and walk across, the, like this happened this morning. So Myron's asleep because he still sleeps in our, in our room. And I'm like, I really got to go to the bathroom. But I know if I move that Myron's going to hear me and then he's going to wake up. And that is a problem with a capital P. Because when Myron wakes up, he just screams immediately, and that's just not good for anybody. So, so no, stop knocking on my door. People are sleeping. Stop it. Go away. And Jesus says, look, even though he's your friend, you're not going to give him something because he's your friend. You're going to give him something because of his impudence, because he is not socially aware enough to know that what he's asking is inappropriate. Like, like you might just give him something to get him out of your cage. Like, get out of the house. And what I love about this is, um, and maybe it's something that I have missed about my prayers. In, in, in studying the prayers and, 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 and trying to figure out how is it that we talk to God, oftentimes I've tried to figure out the right way to do it and try to get better and try to grow in it. And I think the, the point of the message here, I think the point of the parable here is that we're not good at it. I think the point of the message is to God, we are imprudent, impudent. We don't know what is appropriate in the situation, but we're going to the infinite creator of the universe who can see the beginning from the end and saying, I need this. And so whether we get good at praying or not, I think our, before the, the infinite creator of the universe, I think we don't do a good job. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't love when we come to him. See, I go to sleep. My phone goes on do not disturb at 9.30 every night. And if you call me after that time, I'm gonna be, I might pick up, but I'm going to be grumpy. Because after 9.30, don't you know that I have to sleep? With God, the light is always on. The light is always on. Even when we don't know the right thing to ask for, even when we ask for the wrong thing, even when we're praying selfishly, the light is on. He cares to hear what's on our heart, what's on our mind. And he says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. It, doesn't, it may not be the thing that you're asking for. But if you come to my door, the light is on. And I will not turn you away. 
I may guide you to pray in a different way as you seek me. As we have a conversation, as our relationship grows, your prayers will change. The things we talk about will change. But the light is always on. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to speak King James. You can just talk to God. The light is always on. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There's times where we come to God and we know what we want. And we'll ask for that. And oftentimes, God's answer is, let me give you what you need. You didn't know. You you were impudent. You asked for what you thought would be fine. And that's okay. My light's on. Let me give you what my need, what you need. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And sometimes, like, the Holy Spirit may get you, come to you to bring peace and contentment in a situation that doesn't get better. In fact, it might be getting worse. The, the, the burden that's on your mind right now might be getting worse as you sit here listen to this. But the invitation is for the Spirit to dwell inside you. God may not make the situation easier, but He may walk with you through that dark time to grow in you the character to stand up and trust Him in spite of it. So when will we connect with Jesus this week? Our focus, our focus, like we, we don't have an option. Our focus must be on connecting with Jesus first. And, and he, he is there waiting for this to happen. He welcomes all of his disciples to sit at his feet and to learn from him. So when will we connect with Jesus this week? We, we have, like what I love, like there's a lot of things I hate about quarantine. But here's what I love. You haven't been able to come to church and get your Jesus fix. The feeling in the room is different whether, whether you're online or whether you're in the room because we got masks on. It's, it's, it's different. We're separated from each other. We didn't hug. I got <laughs> You didn't hug. <laughs> We've had to learn new skills of our faith in this quarantine. This, this quarantine has tested our faith. The, the religious systems, the religious traditions that we have relied upon to feel connected to God have been taken away from us, and we've had to ask the question, was my faith genuine? This has been a testing. So when will we connect with Jesus this week? If you don't already know the answer to that question, it may be time to pull out your phone and put it on the calendar. Maybe time to say, uh, hey, Google, remind me at 7 a.m., connect.
every day. And it may be, like, when we, when we, when we started this, this year, we started praying for the community every day. That's, that was what I did. I said, hey, Google, remind me every day at 6 a.m. To, to pray for our community. And, and so, actually, like, the thing that that did is that when I picked up my phone first thing in the morning, that was the first notification on there for me. And so it's gotten to the point now where every time I pick up my phone in the, in the morning, before I even turn the screen on, I'm unplugging it and praying for our community because I know that's what it's going to tell me to do. And rather than be sucked into whatever drama is on Twitter, I'm pausing to pray for the we instead of focusing on how the world is affecting the me. And you're like, Put it on the calendar. Like, I thought, I thought you wanted to grow intimacy. I wanted you to grow a relationship. There may be times in a marriage where it's helpful to put intimacy on the calendar. And you show up like it's an appointment. Because it's not getting done. <laughs> And that might feel really like structural and not natural and inorganic for a while. But if you invest in the time, you'll be glad that it was there. I'm so glad I wiped everything. It's not, it's not that I needed to get that I wiped everything else off for some time. Our focus must be on connecting with Jesus first. Let's pray. Our Father, Dad, in the busyness of our life, we hope that in some way or another, we ask that in some way or another, you would bring all glory and honor to your name. That with the way that we live today and this week, that people would think positively about you and who you are. Hallowed be your name. You've brought your kingdom near to us, and we have allowed distractions to keep us from seeing it. It's been right under our noses. And we've instead put our attention on lesser things. So would you bring it in its fullness? Would you rule and reign? Would your will be done here on earth, here in Florida, here in Ocala, here at Grace Church, here in my heart? Would your will be done as it is in heaven? And I don't know what I need. I've got a, a list of things that I think I want, but... I don't know what I need, so would you give me what I need for today? Not more, not less, just what I need. You are the perfect, the master forgiver, and I am your disciple. Would you forgive me my debts in the same way that I forgive those who are indebted to me? Would you teach me your way? Would you lead me not into temptation? And God, for all the times that I've prayed for myself, 
even just in these last few minutes? Would you redirect my attention to pray for others with the same fervency that I pray for me? Would you help me to see my part in your story? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.